All right. Uh, so Patrice uh, Penny McClammy is the incumbent for Alabama House District 76. She is a Democrat. Penny, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on the Valley Labor Report. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, yeah. So let's start off with, you know, I know that your father was the last one to hold your seat. Is he the reason that you got into politics? Like, is that what is, is his influence kind of what motivated you to be involved civically? You know what? Um, I have to say my father and my mother growing up, I started working with the Democrats probably when I was in elementary school. Uh, my parents were both community servants. And at that time, my father was the president of a technical college, Toronto Technical Technical College. And so I was always involved in some type of community and political activities and events that was going on. I tell people my first venture into politics was probably around second, third grade when I used to hand out flyers at the polls, especially in the primaries when I was out of school. And I remember when I grew up, and I'm still honored today when they asked me to be a poll watcher. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have moved up to be a poll watcher after all of these years. <laughs> uh, so I was too excited. I'm excited to this day. You see how much that meant to me from going outside and handing out flyers to be able to go inside. So, um, you know, like I said, my mother and my father have always been community servants and activists in our community and throughout the state. And I was born and raised in it. My father um, did serve over almost 30 years in the legislature. And he passed last year this time. So it was an honor to be able to step into his, as a legacy, to step into his position as a um, legislature, House of representative. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And so, <clears throat> you, you know, you mentioned that uh, he, he passed away last year and you kind of stepped into his seat and so this is going to be you're, you're the incumbent but this is going to be your first um general election as yes. the democratic nominee is that right it is we had a special election last year after his passing i was unopposed in the primary and in the general so therefore i was um sworn in last november but um yes um after my father's passing we had a Swearing in. I was sworn in because I was unopposed in the special election. I was unopposed in the primary. And Ashley, my father, and I had decided three years ago that I, he was going to retire and I would be running in for his position. So this is something mm. that we worked hard together preparing for this. And I always say it's bittersweet because I always thought when it was time for me to sworn, be sworn in, he would be right by my side. But I know he's right. here in my heart. And this time I do have an opponent um, that I found out late of May that is a libertarian. So this, as you stated, yeah, I, this is my first time in the general. I saw that. And I, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in what your what your take on that is with because uh, I saw that some somewhere said claiming that the libertarians have more Democrats on the ballot, or the libertarians have more candidates on the ballot than Democrats in Alabama right. in right. November. So what is what is up with that? <laughs> well, I think that they are trying to uh, have their own party. And... um. 
you know, have a more stronger recognition within the state with their own parties. And what a way to start that by having, you know, their opponent, their people on the ballot across the state. We actually have, excuse me, my adopted dog. I'm sitting here making squeaky toys. So. <laughs> As a uh, father of a little puppy, I, I, I know your struggle. So, you know, before we get more into policy stuff, you've got a radio program down in Montgomery. Talk to us about that. I do. It's called Putting It on the Table, 102.7 WKXM with um, Roscoe Miller, Killer Diller. He's the owner of the station. My father actually started this show, gosh, probably back in 2000. Um, we used to do live television. We went from live television to recorded television and to radio and to a podcast. And so it's called Putting It on the Table. And it's every Friday at noon in which we bring on guests um, to educate the community on what's going on, what's available. We recently had a show on mental health and mental illness in the community and ways that our community can get assistance if they have any problems. Uh, we had the probate judge on and also the sheriff of the um, Montgomery County. So my show is more so informative to just let the people know what's going on and what services are here that can be provided for you. And we do that every Friday at noon, and we also go live on Facebook with that. Okay. Yeah, and the um, we were talking. My uh, my fiance was down with me uh, when I was yeah. at the Alabama AFL CIO convention, and and we talked at uh, Sazas, and and we were talking about mental health, and and that seemed like something that you had a you know you had a particular interest in as a as a legislator. I do, you know, as I'm an attorney also, and so I have practiced in the capacity with the mental ill. Excuse me, the capacity of um, commitment hearings, um, representing those who have been petitioners and those who are respondents. And I've actually served as temporary judge in those commitment hearings. So I've been on all three sides of the mental illness um, legal side of it. In mm. addition to that, um, you know, I always tell people mental illness is something that affects all of us. Someone, if it's not someone in your family, it's someone that stores our neighbors, our church members, that we all know someone or some family that mental illness will affect, whether or not they shall tell or share that or not, because, you know, it's a stigma. It's been a long-term stigma mm -hmm. for us to discuss mental illness. And now I want to try to play my role in not making it something shameful to discuss, but for us to come together and assist and be aware of the conditions, aware of the symptoms, and then also make sure that we do our part to ensure that we have facilities available that can help those who need the help. You know, we closed down a lot of mental facilities and institutions a few years ago. And so mm -hmm. some has worked for the in-home outpatient care programs that we have, but it's a lot more that we need to do. So that's something that I do want to work close with the Department of Mental Health and, and also with our local delegations. And also, our um, matter of fact, I just met with one of the organizations the other day, today, this morning, and talked with them about some things that they have going on and how we can all come together in a partnership for our people. 
Right. And, you know, that's that's a good place to segue into your role as a legislator in, you know, the state house. Everybody that's listening is going to know that that Democrats are a super minority uh, in in the state legislature in both houses, um, in the Senate and the House. And so what is your role? What what ought the Democrats role be as a super minority? What can you do? What should you be doing? I, I guess. Well, I think that we can do a lot. First of all, it's about communication and working with each other. Uh, as being a super minority, we know we don't even have to show up and they can pass a bill, basically. But I think as being able to work across the lines, uh, work with each other, it may, we may not share the same politics on every issue, but there are some things that we can discuss, negotiate, to make it not as harsh as it could be. And that's our role that we play in the Democratic Party is trying to work with them um, and then be assertive in what we want for our community. Uh, Because usually a lot of times we share the same thoughts. It just may be different actions that we want to take to get to that point. Well, and, and, you know, the being assertive, I I wonder about that. And how do you feel about messaging bills. It, it doesn't seem to me like that's something that, you know, Alabama Democrats have been, that they do a lot. But but is that something that you think that Democrats in Alabama should be doing more of? I think that's something that Democrats have discussed and um, that we will be seeing more of. So um, I think those are things that we will be, that I've been in meetings recently and that's been a main discussion. So I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing messaging bills so in the session what is the what would be the role of of messaging bills for for you for the democrats well to get the message out um and let the people know um the message of the bill itself also bringing about um, public support community support and organizational support so it's a better understanding of the how that bill affects you and so that's the importance in my role. And I believe that messaging bills may work to make it more personable to our community and bring everyone on board for force. And I think that it can also, you know, it, it seems to me that uh, one good way to use those would be to put the uh, put the majority on their heels for a bit and make them defend as opposed to always being on the defense yourself. And And one of the things that really kind of seems like an obvious thing to me that didn't happen in the last session was, um, you know, y'all were able to beat the anti-protest bill, right? which was great. And, you know, I, I commend y'all's efforts on that. But it seemed like there was a missed opportunity to tie the fight by the Republicans to restrict the ability of working class Alabamians to protest. Um you know, there was a missed opportunity, it seemed to me, to tie it to the miners' strike and, uh, you know, to take up that cause as you're fighting a more general attack on freedom of speech and and make, you know, make the Republicans defend their attacks on speech. Because they, especially in the last five years or so, it seems like Republicans have really been interested in pretending that they care about freedom of speech and... So I, I, it would have been interesting to me, it seems like, to put out a bill that says, you know, that, that like a constitutional speech bill or something like that, that would remove the judge's authority to, um, 
you know, to put that injunction on the miners and to limit municipalities' authority to uh, to uh, restrict protests and stuff like that, and make the Republicans defend as opposed to having defend to defend yourself. What would, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. I totally agree with that. And with those messaging bills, it's important to reach out to our community and our organizations and let them be aware of what these bills are really entailing. Um, I think, you know, by using your radio station that you have and my radio station talk shows and others and going out to the different, like the unions, going out to the neighborhood associations and giving them the message of how these bills are personally hurtful to able to get them to the polls to vote for the right people to be in the office. And as you say, once the people really understand what the bills are about, then we have a better job with a, you know, with a support, a stronger support to go towards the Republicans and say, look, we have all these people here. Are you going to tell them this is what you're doing, even though this is the support that we have? And that's one thing that I try to encourage our people, our community, um, engaging in our public hearings. So that way they are there, they are making a statement, and you have to look them in the eye and see what you're doing and how you are disregarding the feelings of the citizens of Alabama. Um, Adam, you you said that you saw something earlier about um, Penny pre-filing some bills. What, have you got plans to pre-file some bills in the next session? Yes, actually, it was last year that I started working on legislation um, last session dealing with the removal of tax off of groceries and SAS tax off of groceries and also offer um, over the counter medication. Because me, I, you know, I have a history of being a caregiver for over 15 years to my family. That was my primary role. And I knew the hardships of making decisions of you know, going to the doctor, paying the medications, paying the extra essentials that you need, such as your depends, your insure, uh, your pads for to take care of your family members, and making decisions on how you pay your bills, how you pay for um, where you not you get this type of food, the healthy food, which costs a little bit more. And so that's one thing that I want to do. I did take my time with filing that bill because I want to get it right. That's the bill has been introduced several, several, several years, and I really want to take time to get it right when I file it um, so that we can have the support, as I said once again, of our organizations and of the community to say this is needed. In addition to that, you know, we found that although we may have removed a portion of the state tax that did not disclude the county and the city taxes on the grocery bill, so that's something we need to make a concerted effort is to reach out to our city and county officials to see if we can get that buy-in to eliminate the tax altogether um, so we won't have taxes on our groceries and our medication and our over-the-counter medications. You know, that is something that is totally, totally perplexing to me. And, I, and I'm sure that you've had several conversations with your Republican colleagues about this and about how it, it just seems so obvious to me that if you actually care about, you know, if you actually care about taxes, just as a, just as a general kind of policy, the first one that you're going to want to get rid of is the one that affects the most people and the most people that are the least well off. 
it just yeah if that's your policy then the grocery tax is the first one to go after but 10 years on 12 years on after they got after they first came into the majority we're still taxing groceries in Alabama yes, and they just passed a business tax cut a business tax cut in the last session but they haven't had the time to pass a grocery tax cut and how how do they justify that to you well they they say that they want to work together to get this done and so you know we will continue to communicate on this because like i always tell people this is not a democratic issue this is not a republican issue this is an american issue this is the alabamian issue that i don't care what income you what social income you are in from lower to middle to upper middle to higher it affects all of us because at some point you know I always say, especially using my examples of taking care of my family, at some point you have to make decisions on how to take care of your loved ones. And it's a challenge because once we retire, once loved ones retire, their checks aren't the same. You know, they go down and how much they bring a month. And those are, that's like I said, that's not a democratic issue. It's an Alabama, it's a citizen's issue. And so I think that we're doing more harm when we have our people, our community, and our citizens out there trying to make decisions on food, medication, and um, over-the-counter prescriptions. So that's the speech that I keep pointing out to people. The speech that I made to organizations is that we need to work together on this. This is, like I said, not one-sided issue. It's an all-of-us issue. I'm hopeful that we can do that. Um, because I did see more push for this last year in the legislature from the Republican side. And it's just a matter of us sitting down and making a decision on how to get there, I think. Uh, I think we all want the same thing, but it's a matter of, matter of how to get to that point, which way we go. So that's why I have not um, completely filed that legislation, because I want more partisan, bipartisan support on it. What do you see? Um, what do you see coming down the pike in the next quadrennium after the election is over? You know, um, that's uh, that's like looking into a, a glass ball trying to tell the future. I say that because we have a lot of representatives that retired, um, that resigned, and do not want to run for office again. So we're going to have a bit mixture of new legislation legislators next next month excuse me back in march next year and so it's going to be interesting to get to meet our colleagues our new colleagues that will be coming in after november and i think we can get a better idea of what this may look like at that time but i'm hopeful i always i'm always hopeful all right well penny mcclammy is there anything uh anything that you wanted to make sure that uh, you were able to communicate to our audience well, I want to communicate to the audience that I'm here. You know, I always tell people my district is District 76, but I represent the citizens of Alabama. Uh, my phone number is 334-414-7345. I only have one phone. So um, feel free to call me if there's anything that you need. If there's anything I can do or direct, I'll try my best to get something done. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. And I look forward to having you on the show. All right. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. All right.
Thank y'all. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. You just saw a clip from the Valley Labor Report. We are live every Saturday morning from 9.30 a.m. till 12.30 p.m. And we pride ourselves on keeping all of our content free to everybody so that we can talk to as many working folks as possible. If you support the work that we're doing, you think that it's important, you think that it's good, then consider making a monthly contribution to the project, and you can do that on our website, tvlr.fm.